0: Where are you at the moment? Uh, Nairobi. Are you both in um, the UK? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, how how long since graduating? Actually, it's been.
1: Um, well, I never knew. I I didn't know if we were. We weren't in the same year. I we graduated in twenty eighteen, but we did four years.
0: Ah, okay. I was a year after
1: 2019. Yeah. Let me get a photo. Okay. Let's go for it. Okay. Three, two, one.
2: And it's just pronounced Kiru. Or is it slightly different?
0: Yeah, Kiru's fine. I wouldn't even bother you with the actual pronunciation. I don't even bother myself.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sweet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by a recent Warwick grad who had also met Aaron previously. His name is Kiru. At least that's how he told us he wants to pronounce it. (laughs) So yeah, please go ahead and introduce yourself a bit.
0: Hi, hi um, audience of the third wheel. <laughs> so my name's is <laughs> Kirill Yeah, so uh, I am met Iron um, at uni and I am a recent work grad. I did PPE, graduated in 2019. Uh, my passions are real estate um, and recently fintech. Um, I, I did, I, I guess I wanted to solve the housing crisis i saw those uh, massive housing crisis across the world especially um, in in africa and in kenya where i lived nairobi is quite it's kind of two cities in one there is you know extremely rich and extremely poor and growing up I, I always you know found that really confusing so yeah i was like let me build some houses and that led me into a wild journey of you know enterprise and business and yeah so that's I, i've been doing real estate and now i'm i have, I have a startup In fintech and i guess i'll get more into that later and yeah that's me i'm how old am i i'm 24 yeah turned 24 last month (laughs) so um yeah great to be here
1: yeah awesome yeah so like that's if people listen to one of our previous episodes with jonas me and kiru kind of met the same way through yeah yeah, through uni it was unihack that was when we first met right yeah yeah so i remembered you from there i knew you were like working on some stuff at union and even after uni so i thought hit you up to come on the podcast how did you get like into i guess unihack it wasn't like a typical hackathon it was like kind of based around like social enterprises and what that event in a way how did you kind of become interested in the startup space really
0: um so i I, like to start off unihack if i recall specifically was it the weekend long thing or like the like was it just like one day or what what, how long was that
1: so i I, me so if you remember ed ed was my like for chibo tech guy mm, mm. with me we we weren't actually a part of the uni hack but we got asked to like do like cater some food through oh, for, yes, for it yes, and yes, yes also give like a bit of a talk
0: yes yes i recall
1: and then we just kind of like hung around for like the pitches and stuff like that yeah, as well I
0: recall, I recall yeah so um i was definitely baited into attending uni hack
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um I, I got into um the really startup you know social enterprise circle at warwick which is you know thriving and you know i met a lot of incredible people a lot of them were in the years above me i think I was in first or second year and it was a lot of fun just interacting with different societies like enactus and mm. kickstart and all, all these really entrepreneurial societies where you get to meet a lot of entrepreneurial people and entrepreneurial people can convince you to do anything and like they they just they're always selling all this pitching all the market so i was told to just come i didn't know what it was i was just told to come by someone i thought was you know really convincing yeah i showed up and yeah enjoyed it so that was that was my uni hack um how i ended up there and in startups in general i guess from leading off from the intro i wanted to solve issues around housing i i didn't actually want a startup or a business i think in my mind like right after finishing high school i was like okay if i'm to solve one issue a couple of issues in the world but if i'm to solve an issue that would really have an impact what would it be and i I picked housing and i thought if you know if people everyone had a decent you know house to live in it would greatly boost their chances of you know a, a great life in terms of Um, you know, just dignity and income and just every other metric of prosperity you can think of. And that then led me into, okay, how can we build more efficient houses? How can we grow companies that build houses? How can we use technology, property technology in the construction phase or in the development phase or in the design phase? So it was just an entire segue now into startups. And, um, that's how I ended up really interested in startups, really interested in entrepreneurship. And I, I mean, till this day, that's, that's, um, that's the journey I'm on.
2: Yeah.
1: I think it is like coming up with a idea that you're kind of passionate about or like seeing a problem that you're passionate about and then trying to figure out how to solve that problem. I guess that's where the majority of, well, that's how I imagine. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of people that just come up with an idea they're not passionate about and they think it can make them a lot of money yes. and they make it successful as well. Yeah. But it probably definitely does help when you are passionate about a certain area. Yeah. So at what age do you think you kind of realized like the housing problem and thought like, okay, this is definitely something that I could potentially work on?
0: So I would say it first started off by me um, liking, like I started to like to build things so okay. i i was part of a couple of groups within my high school and my church and this this door and i was really attracted to groups that would go into local rural communities and build houses for them so as a part of, as a member of this group we would literally just like stack bricks and i don't know if you've heard of habitat for humanity so they, they're essentially one of the largest global organizations that is they take volunteers and they put place in place around the world one of them is Kenya, and, and they they train them on how to build houses some of them you know get some masonry skills some of them you know make cement or like make windows and then they, you literally spend a couple of days building a house for someone you need so i really enjoyed being part of groups like that and i really enjoyed getting like maybe mud on my hand maybe i was just a kid but i enjoyed getting mud on my hand i enjoyed um you know um you know building something from absolute scratch to, you know, something that people could live in and, you know, habitate. So first I I started to enjoy that. And then I I began to think, I began to think that as I traveled across, you know, a lot of rural areas in the country, I I started to feel like there's a really big difference between, you know, the city and, you know, what the housing situation in, you know, remote rural areas. And I remember once I I just, after one of the trips, I, I got to my room and I was like, we just built a house way larger than the room I live in. And I began to feel like, oh, damn, um, how, big is, how big is the issue? How, like, how sheltered have I been? How big is this issue? And the, the numbers were absolutely mind-blowing, not just in Kenya or in Nairobi, but in Africa and the world beyond that. The numbers of people that are you know, living in undignified housing is just astronomical. And the mechanisms in place for people to attain this housing are shrinking, not growing, you know, wherever you go, I actually, I don't think I've been to a single city where they have um, housing, uh, some better than others, but I don't think I've been to a single city where they have, you know, adequate housing for everyone. Some, some cities have social housing. I mean, it's just, I saw the problem everywhere. And after seeing that, uh, I decided that, you know, let's, what's the solution. So you, I looked into mortgages, maybe I start a mortgage company and give people (laughs) Um, access to finance so they can buy housing and then the math didn't work out incomes are still too low for people to even afford mortgages and then i thought okay maybe i start i don't know a charity that just builds houses on mass but no one's gonna give me billions trillions of dollars to you know build everyone a house and I, i guess at this age you're just thinking to solve the problem you're not really thinking can i make money from this problem you're just thinking let's just solve the problem So yeah, as I decided at some point, I I thought, okay, I'm just overthinking it. Let me just build a house, see how it goes. So this is all in the space of two weeks of me first thinking about it. And by the end of the second week, I'd built a house. I had identified, I'd connected with local charities, the same charities that I have been a part of. Uh, They had identified someone in need. And I had, you know, I had literally pestered everyone I knew to give me money. And I had got my friends from high school graduating class and yeah, we went um, to a rural area and yeah, we built a house and I was like, great. And I was—I remember I was on my way to uni, uh, Warwick actually. And then I was like, okay, gap year. I'm going to take a gap year and do this on my gap year. Just build houses. It's, I, I've enjoyed it. It's fun. I don't think I'm going to have more fun in uni. And yeah, that, that's how the that journey started.
2: <laughs> did you say you live in the city, or did you like, whereabouts do you live in uh, comparison I, to? So I live in the city,
0: like just picture suburb, basically.
2: Okay, yeah. cool. And, how much would you say like it costs to build a house, for example, in the rural areas of Kenya that you said?
0: It costs anything from 5,000 to 10,000 US dollars.
2: Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: And when you say, cause you said you just built a house and you said it very like yeah. nonchalantly. Yes. I don't know if I've, I've butchered that pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought you did well. I thought you did well. <laughs> I was like, I was like in my head, I was like, wait, should I go for this version? <laughs> I, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Clip that. How how do you build a house? Like, what are the kind of? So this is
0: this steps. is a good question. So what one of the models I I came to understand when we were building, when I even before I built my own as my own organization, was that we would only get local materials and that would make it cheaper. So when when we went to this first community to build a house, I I was like, hmm, when do we get materials? And yeah, I saw some trees. I went to some neighbors. I'm like, yo, this tree good for building houses. And they said, yeah. And I'm like, all right, chop them. I'll pay you for some timber. (laughs) And yeah, then I went, um, and we got some iron sheets and we got some cement and yeah, we got some, and my uncle, one of my uncle knew what are those people, the people that are carpenter and another one knew like another carpenter. Like I just, it was just like a group of people that had just been like pestered to come together and bring resources together. So yeah, we chopped down some... Okay, I didn't chop down the trees. I saw people chop down the trees, um, get the timber. <laughs> um, and yeah, someone brought some cement. And yeah, we were just the labor. And we had like a couple of skilled, you know, carpenters just, you know, hopefully <laughs> committed to the cause. But, you know, we needed them either way. So yeah, we, we had some skilled labor. We had some local materials gathered. And yeah, someone to tell us how to put it, where and how. And okay. yeah, we, yeah, that's just how we built the house. <laughs>
1: And then, do you have to get like I I don't know how like how different it is, but I imagine like here in like the UK, you can't just just go and build a house. Like you'd have to get like permission. Technically, to,
0: like, you can. You can do. You can, but like, is it allowed? Mm, that's where.
2: <laughs> so, so basically, you're saying you don't really need a permit as long as you own that land. I guess is that what you're trying to say? Like, unless is it different between the city and city and rural? Like those are good questions.
0: You probably do need a permit. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think about that then, and I think, <laughs> and I think everyone, everyone, um, everyone there, it was huge. Like, like that the whole village turned up and to support. So, um, everyone there was kind of just happy that you know this you know needy um person within the community was getting a house, and yeah, they just pulled together. And it's probably a lot more lax. Uh, thinking about it now, the the permit regulatory environment in that village is probably a lot more lax than I <laughs> than the <Yeah>. city. <laughs>
1: And then were these, the people that were like, you know, chopping down the trees to get timber and the carpenters and all that, were they like doing this off their own back? Were they getting paid? No, no, no. They're doing this. Was it very much like a... They're doing this off their own. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And this was before you went to uni? Yeah. This was right
0: before I I went to uni. There's like this period of time when you've accepted your uni offer and you're waiting to go to uni. And yeah, this was literally like, I think two weeks right after I got my um, A-level results.
1: So you're like eighteen.
0: Yes, I was eighteen. Roughly. Yeah.
2: Wait, you must have had such Man. little time before you got your A-level results. Something, unless when does the academic year for you finish?
0: Um, it's it's literally it was um it's exactly the same as um uh, the British curriculum. Yeah, yeah. I, actually it was the British curriculum. It wasn't exactly. It was the
2: British curriculum. <laughs> so you basically had like a month at most, maybe. I, I would
0: say from getting the idea to build to building was two weeks. Two weeks to build a house? No, no, a week to plan and then the second week to build the house.
1: That's pretty quick, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know how much... I had a lot of energy back then. I wish I had that same... Yeah. (laughs) I I could
0: do anything if (laughs) if I had that same energy now. And then is it also like,
1: are you just building like the structure of it or are you also like inside building like toilet facilities and stuff like that
0: so yeah we, we built everything and then so we built everything and maybe i wanted to build it in a day believe it or not the entire house in a day <laughs> um, that didn't work out <laughs> but um but I, I guess that day created enough hype that you know um we got a lot of donations and we ended up the house ended up being completed you know in the, in the coming days and people donated you know entirely furniture and and, and like just You know, even foodstuffs and just a whole, the whole, like everything needed for, you know, the start of a new life. Cause that, that's what a home is. Like a new house is like a new life. So, um, yeah, it ended up being like a really all encompassing, you know, just experience for, for both us as, you know, young people doing something for community and the community as well it was our story is the first time that would come together to do something like that for mm. uh, a member of their own community so it it was, it was it was it was lovely
1: did it pick up like any sort of like coverage or press because i can imagine something like that going a bit viral uh it did it
0: did and actually i, I launched a social enterprise based back on the back of that like it became a, it, we okay. I, we ended up raising some capital almost 300,000 pounds in that one year and yeah building a couple more houses and yeah it went great didn't want to go to uni but i guess yeah, yeah, here we
1: are. <laughs> oh, so it got to the point where it was like something you are you being genuine like you didn't want to you kind of wanted to continue that instead of going to uni. I
0: I did, I did. I think at that point um so I did that for the year. I, I I launched it formally, you know, had like, you know, the suits launch and, you know, went to a couple of investors and raised some money, built some more houses, um partnered with some big companies, did did that a bit more and yeah, I guess it was getting to the point where I felt like mm, this could actually uh or rather I could just I enjoy doing this and you know I could actually just do this you know forever I enjoy it but at the scale that we were going like it was 10 houses built in a year and we had some money for a couple or more but we like even if we did that for like the next 10 years I would like we, we would not even have scratched the problem <laughs> we, would, yeah. we would literally have like at most tickled like a little part of it like it was it was so I think at that point I realized that You know, there is some merit in learning a little more. I've dipped my toes in this, you know, I ended up, it ended up being a company, so to speak. But um, yeah, it ended up in essence, you know, just being a social enterprise that helped me understand what I need to do to solve problems. And yeah, I made the choice to go to uni based off of, I don't think I know enough to solve the entire problem.
2: Yeah. Was this built for Kenya?
1: Yes, this was built for Kenya.
2: Wait, was I there for this presentation at the inactive thing where Aaron did the talk? Or was this a separate one? You might have. Been. Oh, yeah. Kira was there as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Kira was there as well. So, yeah, you might have had a similar pitch or so. Yeah. Um, I remember it. Yo, Hamish, what what were you doing at 18?
2: <laughs> what was I doing at 18? I don't know, just finishing exams, getting ready, getting ready for kind of uni, like... I'm also not
1: asking me. that to make you feel bad because I, I was doing nothing.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like, I don't think I was doing anything along the lines of, you know, I think I was more like dreaming of like just being at uni than doing all these social, <laughs> doing everything that Kiru here was doing. I was just thinking like, right, 18, yeah, I was slacking, slacking here. Yeah. I do agree <laughs> about the I agree a bit about the energy thing because I felt like at 18, I was more willing to get things done than I am now.
0: That is true. That is true. Right now, we're thinking things like you know, what's the regulation around what you're trying to do, <laughs> yeah. and 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 like we see so many more barriers like than than we had when we were 18. I guess you 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 started um freshy, but I'm sure you know then you know there were a lot less barriers than you see now into getting something like this started. So yeah. I feel I feel like yeah, the the older you get, you're kind of you get more and more, or rather less and less you get more risk-averse. Yes, you get more and more Mm risk-averse. So you start, you start, like your risk, your level of taking risk, it starts to like just marginally decrease, you know, slowly, slowly. So yeah, I'm trying to maximize my risk years as much as possible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you then eventually did go to uni. What did you uh, choose to study?
0: Uh, So I did PPE, philosophy, politics and economics, primarily because I didn't know what I wanted to study. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just seemed like a good broad option uh yeah,
2: yeah. that's why yeah, did you join other societies at uni and if so what were they were they related to social enterprise or were they were just like chill slash fun slash hobbies
0: so i think by the time i was getting to uni i had just i just really enjoyed building things and during actually doing that gap year i had done a couple of coding classes like throughout in the evening so I really enjoyed building things. I was getting into software. I was getting into construction. So during, as, 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 as I was in, as I entered uni, I joined, I, I wanted to join circles where, you know, a lot of like-minded people. And so I, you know, those in Actus, I think in first year, I also did TEDx. I really, I really enjoyed TEDx. Um, TEDx was, you know, Works, um, local version of TED and I, I really enjoyed that. I met an ama- some amazing people, some incredible, um, talks and, yeah, just I think I made all my friends from societies. There were a couple of others, um, I think. But towards my final year? The main one was uh, Africa Summit. So they, they launched this incredible society called Africa Summit I was in first year, where they brought in um, some really esteemed, like really esteemed African leaders within different circles in Africa. So, you know, they're bringing vice presidents or bringing lead- leading economists. And yeah, just have them, you know, speak at, at the university. So I was really glad to be a part of that in, Uh, my final year and also a lot of like startup circles like as you mentioned earlier how we met the hackathons and yeah just a lot of startup circles as well so I think that was my main that was my main university society ecosystem yeah I was
1: was just about to ask if you gave a TEDx talk but I just googled your name and something does come up I'm assuming it's I did that in high school though (laughs) I didn't do that in high school okay yeah
0: I did that in high school I did that in high school. Don't watch. it. Don't watch it. I only see it, it says <laughs>
1: happiness. Don't click on it. Don't click on it. <laughs> well, uh, I, was, I, was, I
0: see I, the, yeah, the title is happiness. It is what, happiness. What is, I, was, uh, I was I was a young philosopher. I like to think so. it. it <laughs> I was I was very keen on social impact. I still am. And the talk was um. So at, at our high school we have like a young persons TEDx um uh, every year and yeah I want to talk about how we could we could by pursuing our own goals by achieving our own happiness we can you know impact the people around us and we can um yeah in a way share that happiness with other people so that that was the in essence that talk so it, it no, was... that's
1: cool we we had a previous guest manan who did a ted ted talk at Dude, I, I know manan i was i was a tedx <laughs> <laughs> was when... you, his one because he did on the economics of happiness
0: yeah i think I, I might have been on the team actually that was um you know supporting him to to do okay
1: that. yeah <laughs> Good crowd you yeah, got. Anyway. Good, good crowd. crowd Go you check got. that episode <laughs> out if you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I. All, all the guests it, are good. Yeah. All the guests are good, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned Warwick Africa Summit. That was one you were quite heavily involved in. Your president, right? Yes, yes. And what, what does the society do exactly?
0: So the society brings together thought leaders and just leaders in various fields from the continent and brings them to the summit with the purpose of. Inspiring and sharing, you know, just their journey and what the future of the continent could look like. So we we were a community. There's there's a huge, you know, community um, of you know people interested in Africa at work, but not just at work, but in the UK in general. So and there was there was a gap. I I believe there was a gap of just knowledge sharing about how we can get involved and how we can um, you know better think about concepts of the continent. So the Africa summit came in to fill that gap. And yeah, we, 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 you know, ended up having one of the largest Africa summits, not just student run, but like, you know, in the entire UK. So we, you know, we were, there's once we were looking at the financial times Africa summit, which is like the gold standard. It's like, it's like the Davos um, of Africa summits, right? So Financial Times Africa Summit, and we had and our lineup was better than theirs. Our lineup just was better. I Ooh, short, short, short. Was better <laughs> and they had tickets of a thousand five hundred um, <laughs> pounds, and I was just like, I remember looking at that once, and I was just like, jokes. We are at twenty pounds, but I think based off of that, we can we can up the tickets. Were you tempted to sell bit. it for? All-
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sell it for one thousand five hundred too.
0: Yeah. I, well, we we were tempted. We were tempted, but you know, shout out to. Um, you know, certain departments that sponsored us, so we didn't have to. And also, and also shout out to just, you know, not being capitalists. So, um, so yeah, it, it, that was the purpose of the, uh, of the summit. And I think one of the main things, like, um, probably an unintended thing was it created a great community of, um, people with interest in Africa. So not just people from Africa, people just related somehow, but just people who were interested in learning more about it. So North Africa, West Africa, South East, um, Central, just every corner of the continent. You know, we ended up having a really remarkable team, and you know, I made some incredible friends, um, I made some incredible memories, and yeah, it, it it genuinely shaped a lot of my experience at the university.
1: Yeah. So wh- while you're studying and everything, what's happened to build for kenya is that still like going on without you or so
0: i I actually did run it half of my first year so we we still because what the model had now changed because we had raised some capital that we needed to use we now partnered with a company the habitat for humanity the kenyan branch and we partnered with another housing manufacturer that that built um housing materials um kind of synthetic um housing materials that those are materials that they manufacture as opposed to Like just like i don't i don't have to describe them now they're called eps which was materials that you manufacture and they kind of interlock like boards that interlock to build a house so and they and they would do the building so we would just funnel them the money and they would do the building and i tried to run that in my first year i think half of the first year and it it went okay we built one house but like i was just like "I, i have to study now and i also don't think the model that I was doing was sustainable because it was essentially, um, it was essentially like again social enterprise, which is charity aspects, and we were giving value to a couple of um, companies who had you know new building materials in the sense that we were highlighting how they could be used to build you know more sustainable homes. But at the same time, it was again just very incremental, was doing you know, a couple of houses a year. So I thought that model was not sustainable. So I decided, um, let me, let me learn more about this issue and let me learn in general how to, you know, if I'm solving a problem, you know, do I need a business or do I need a social enterprise? Like what vehicle am I going to use to solve the problem? Or should I just, you know, be a politician and, um, you know, be president and then solve the issue? Like there, there were so many avenues at this point of solving the issue. And I was like, let me take time and understand what's the best avenue to solve the issue and yeah that that's that's what i did um during that period of time so that stopped and yeah i took time to learn about how best to um scale and solve the issue
1: yeah so now you've done your degree you're graduating yes and what was kind of your your plan or what happened
0: so my, my plan was um i think when when i was graduating i was now like okay before i get into like any you know work engagements i'm super keen to I'm still really interested in real estate and housing, but I'm also really interested in, um, financial tech, finance and fintech at this point in time, like very, very interested. So, but I, I knew I wanted to start something in fintech. Like I genuinely didn't know what, but I just knew I just, again, I still had like that burning. I just want to build something. So I, I, and I, and I wanted to do that back in Nairobi. So I, I get back to Nairobi and actually I, I got a job offer at a real estate firm. In, in Nairobi, actually, it's the largest developer of housing actually on this side, of, on East in East Africa, and soon to be Africa. So I got a job to be um, the executive assistant of the CEO, which was essentially you know be the CEO's teammate as you know he runs the business. And yeah, I was excited about that, and I, I, I took it. I took it, and I thought, okay, this is now the scale that you know I, I was looking to learn about. And yeah, they were building. They were growing at breakneck speed. They were, you know, raising bonds. They were the first um Kenyan company to list a, a bond in uh, the London Stock Exchange. They were, like, they were growing rapidly. And I was part of that for, you know, a couple of months. And I really enjoyed it. I learned how, I, I learned everything essentially that I had wanted to learn about um, real estate and, and housing and just how that impact could be scaled, like super scaled. And I was genuinely, yeah. I appreciated that experience. But again, I still wanted to do something in fintech. So about eight months in, I, I you know I, I sat down with the um, the CEO and we would become quite good friends. I, and I told him what I, I planned to do, and he was excited for me. And he said, "Yeah, go ahead. Um, you you really have nothing to lose. Uh, I think you should definitely try and uh, build build whatever you're building." And yeah, so that's how I ended up now uh, at the fintech startup.
1: Yeah, something I'm, I forgot to ask earlier, kind of unrelated to what you just said, but why uh, Warwick?
0: Why Warwick? The university? Yeah. Um, it is actually my mom's. Friend that told me to go to work it was my my mom had a friend that i think had done i think wps and was living in the okay. uk and and he knew he knew me and he knew I was very keen on economics so he he literally like from like years back was like you know you should go to work and my mom, and he got into my like it inceptioned into my yeah. mom and then she inceptioned it into me and yeah ended up at work
1: <laughs> okay cool cool that, yeah that was just a slight uh Slight tangent. Yeah. So you, you sat down with your CEO at the time. Yes. At this company. Yes. And then what did you pitch him? So I've got here, Fingo Africa. Yes. My, I uh, pronounce that right? Yes. So were you yeah. pitching him like that idea?
0: Yes, that I, was, I was pitching him the idea. And I, I guess it's kind of odd, like you would tell your current boss, hey, I'm trying to leave and do this. But yeah. I, we, we did have a good relationship and we, I felt like I could be honest with them, And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Um, what do you think? And, um, he's a very, he's a very, um, macro thinker. So, like, he thinks about, okay, what's the future going to look like in 10 years? And are you going to be relevant in 10 years? So, he made me think about that. And we had, we had a chat on the merits of the idea. And, and turns out the idea had a lot of, a lot of merits. And also, one of, one of my main points of this idea was just the, the potential for impact. Like, how much impact could it have on people's lives? And I, I think that it could, you know the, the idea is essentially reducing um, transaction costs across the, the country if not the continent and letting people enjoy the benefits of their money a lot more through you know just various devices like savings or from an application so I mean the the, the idea had the merits in terms of impact it had merits in terms of scale and technology as well as just unit economics so we discussed all these things and then and then he kind of said, you now have my blessing to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and you now have my blessing to go do what you're doing. And I said, great, I needed that. I don't need anyone else's blessing. And yeah, it was, it was, you know, quote unquote, a good job. And it, it was, it was really good to have been part of, to learn structure and to learn how organizations um, are built, especially fast growing. I would say this, the real estate company was in a way a startup. Just the culture, the way they were growing, the way they were um, handling different aspects of the business. So it was really, really important that I had learned that. I think had I started, um, I think, without that experience at, at the real estate firm, I really would have been you know, miles behind than mm-hmm. with this experience and with um, the guidance from uh, my past CEO. So uh, yeah, after the marriage, I then decided, yeah, let's let's get it going.
1: Awesome. So what is, for like people listening, what is Fingo Africa? So
0: Fingo, Fingo is, um, uh, I learned this recently, there's a word when you combine two different words together or more into one word. So Fingo is one of those words. It's called apartment and it's a, uh, word, it's a combination of words, is- finance on the go. Yeah. So as I was
1: gonna say, so apartment is the, name given when you like join two words together
0: yeah when you join the words together to form a new word like
1: a couple's name
0: oh when they say take their first name and another person's first name and say we're now known as this identity new identity
1: yeah yeah i'm trying to think of a famous example uh i don't think i'm in those circles but yeah, yeah, we don't, need to, you know, don't need to get
0: to okay. that. <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, it's, it's called a partner tour. I, I learned that recently. I, I haven't known that, maybe like even a week okay. ago.
1: <laughs> but Fingo, Fingo is finance and on the go. Yeah, it's finance <laughs> and and the go. Together. Yeah, Fingo. Okay. So cool. uh,
0: we were we were first building a, a something that helps people ease the burden of um, transactions. Like just transactions in on in Africa are just really expensive there. Uh, it's probably um almost fifty to eighty percent more expensive than anywhere else in the world, if not higher. And that drains um economies, it drains microtransactions. And, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, if people had a better way to transact, then so much more money would be circulating. Like entire percentages of the GDP would be added just by that one quick solve problem. And so we started we started building this transactions platform. Uh it's our payments platform. And then, you know, you know, as we're building it, we're like, what else can we layer in? How else can we, you know, improve the product? And we started And another big issue here is, you know, savings. And, you know, we're like, okay, people can save on the platform, easy peasy. So we added that and then we added payments, like people can pay each other, people can um, pay for goods. And then we add, so we added a lot of things until we came to a point where you could now call it what you'd call in, in, in London, a neobank or a challenger bank. So it is now Mm. uh, a neobank essentially.
2: Oh, so you basically have a Monzo. Is that what you're saying? Like a Monzo that's, or a Stalin? Yes, that's what I'm saying.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Wait, what's your website? Let me check it out. Uh, <laughs> so if you type... F-
2: Aaron's about to buy a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> if you
1: type finger.africa. Oh, I like the domain. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Wait, how do I spell
2: it? Is it F-I-N-G-O? Yeah, F-I-N-G-O.
0: So um yeah, there's a lot more details on the. Uh, there's a button to go to the investor portal we're fundraising right now. I don't know because you guys have links to investors, but hala. Um,
1: <laughs> so Ooh,
0: okay, yeah, so-
2: any any investors? <laughs> so I I do occasionally invest in things. So you know I could be down to investing. You can invest like ten pounds in a company, Aaron. You know it doesn't it doesn't have to be deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who
1: who who are you invested in?
2: Curve. Um, there's this other like healthy food delivery thing. Oh, for it. No, not you. <laughs> I I needed a company that will last enough. Oh, so, oh wow! Joke, joke, joke. is that um. the
0: first time he's made that joke? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> but Aaron, you could have spun that in a good way. You know, I I tried to leave you like an allusion joke. Like, do you know oh. what I mean? Like, as in, you could have said, "Yeah, because the food's so amazing, it doesn't last that long." Oh,
0: he was hurting. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't uh. enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the you respond.
2: Yeah, if I, if I like it, I'll I'll definitely put like a tenner in. Them, so.
0: <laughs> hey, we have we have a minimum, <laughs> a minimum ticket size, bro. Come on.
2: <laughs> oh, what's the minimum? What's the minimum for you? Lee? I don't know yet, but it will it will okay. be a tenner, likely. <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's that's cool. Like, how do you how do you go about starting your own like bank?
0: Again, again, similar to how I started build, I was thinking, how can I solve this problem? And hmm. a new bank is an avenue for us solving this problem. And
1: and. What do you mean by what do you say um, neo?
0: Yeah, so that's that's an industry term to describe banks like um Starling and Monzo and Revolut. So the industry mm-hmm. t- dubs them as challenger banks or neo banks. Okay, um, yeah, just just to, jargon that they've used to kind of differentiate themselves mm-hmm. from traditional banks. And yeah, it sounds cool. When I say it here, no one really knows what I I'm talking about. So I do, I, I said I, I I don't say that, but I thought I'd tell you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff with Monzo recently about them like losing like loads and loads of money and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know how serious a lot of that stuff is, but yeah.
0: that's for them, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <And> I
2: <like, laughs> think like... like Monzo's one of the things Monzo tried to focus on was trying to get everything, I guess you could say problem solved or more modern, but the cost was that they took a lot of overhead expense. Yeah. And they never really made enough ways to actually ensure they're generating money. So they kept taking losses. So as you are aware, like the, for example, taking cash out is a, it's a costly thing. So if you like go to an ATM, et cetera, it's actually just cheaper to do pay by card. Mm. So one of the things you don't want to do is be taking out cash, especially on Monzo for like people because they would obviously have to pay a whole different set of charges for, Yeah. they don't have their own ATMs, for example, yeah, right? Yeah. So they have to, they have to pick it pay for that to happen. Yeah. And
0: yeah, yeah.
2: So like there's obviously a lot of underlying charges that obviously we don't see and obviously the things like when they're starting to hand out interest on pots and so on, which is also part of why they have like 1,000 thousand pound minimum in the pot, for example, mm. for you to gain that one percent interest. There's all these other factors, but obviously we don't we don't care about it because we're like for oh, us it's just like oh we're using Monzo in yeah. it, like the money's there conveniently. Yep, yep. It's going left, right, center. You can see all of it in a nice summary. Yep, yep. All of these things have costs, right? Yeah.
0: Like No, you're right. And to generate that So yeah, the business model or the business environment for um Monzo and the like in the in, in Europe and the UK is just so the environment is extremely different to the environment here. So in the UK, there's probably like 300 ATMs per or 200 to 300 ATMs per thousand people, meaning that you know you'll find it on most streets or, or slash high streets. Here, the the number of ATMs per person is like four per hundred thousand. So you're not so people don't have access to ATMs. And this and this Kenya is like Kenya's like way like those numbers are way up in Kenya. So people don't have access to ATMs here. There's there's um is it, I can't even begin to st- Explain how different the entire market is here. Here, I don't know if you've heard of M-Pesa and Mobile Money.
2: I've heard of Mobile Money for some reason. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so majority, I would say fifty. Not I would say the World Bank would say that fifty percent of our entire GDP goes through Mobile Money. Mobile Money is essentially people sending text messages to each other using um, USSD as a platform. So you don't download any apps from the app store. You just you have a brick phone, so to speak, or any other phone, but the brick like you can't get lower than brick. And you can essentially send money from one person to the other using that using an, a sim application. So just the sim card. You just need a sim card. So your courier enables you. It's like having um your I don't know if it's a kind of color carrier like your the carrier in the UK. Vodafone. It's like having your know, every Vodafone sim. Same with the ability to send money to any other person with any other phone. And then the cash out and the cash in, there's there's a whole um, industry of agents. So anyone can become an any shop. Um, you've seen shops that do like money transfers, right? Like corner shops. So there, there's a whole host of corner shops, mm-hmm. so to speak, that do the money in and money out. So those have replaced ATMs. And the, the ratio of shops that do money in and money out ultimately is larger than that 300 per 100,000. Uh, ratio in the uk for atms it's it's much larger so that's the environment in a nutshell here so if you were to have a monzo in in kenya or in africa the the impact potential is first the adaptability is very high and then the impact potential is just like it's it's multiple it's multitude because currently the the cost of sending money is still super high maybe two three percent even on mpesa which is the main provider and that's super high you could you could come in and just do one percent trade secrets. We're gonna do ten percent cheaper, ninety uh, percent cheaper than uh, all the competitors. And um, yeah, you could come in and do a lot more and just tailor to you know the the current context and how people interact with their money now. So yeah, that's that's what we're doing. We're actually gonna be launching. We're gonna have our first users next month. So um, yeah, that's that's been the journey for the last uh, I think six months since I left the real estate company. It's
2: called Acorn. Do you do like a lot of crowdfunding? So like places like Monzo do a lot of crowdfunding to obviously boost in the capital they have to use and, you know, grow. So do you guys just do crowdfunding or are you just going to be in banking investment? I
0: haven't raised any money yet. Okay. Just I built a team and then we built the product. I learned how to code like I rather refreshed my memory and learned how to code and we, we yeah, we built the product and yeah, now we're like, okay, great. Now when we get some users, we can have a proof of concept. I mean we've all we've used it amongst the team and we all think it's fantastic and great. And <laughs> uh, but yeah, we uh, you know, we there's this thing in um when you're testing products in the startup world called the mom test. Um, it's this like famous kind of book and um, methodology of testing products. So um, number one is don't ask your mom. Because she'll tell you anything. Your product's great, and number two is don't ask people that that know you have you have some emotional uh, or relationship uh, with, because they will like they will not give you some. They will not look at the product. They will look at who's the product coming from, and they will then give you some. It might be great feedback, but it'll be biased to some extent. So um, what we're doing is, or rather, the way to do it is to just put it in the market with different demographics and different people, and have them extract if there's any value from that and then extract that from them so that's that's the stage we're in we're still we're still seeing if it has value everyone was spoken to um, disregarding the mom test my mom thinks it's great by the way and everyone else <laughs> was spoken to in that inner circle <laughs> do think it, it's pretty cool but yeah we're now we're now doing the proper uh, we're now following the startup methodology of you know product you know market fit and whether it's an actual needed service uh, I think it is though <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, Just to clarify, you don't have to say this. So like I assume the initial product is free and then obviously there's a premium version or business version, the business version. I see it can I see it says business accounts. So I assume those are like paid versions by corporations.
0: No, 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 no. Like I said, the business model is completely different. So everything's okay. going to be free. Everything's going to be free, but we will still, make, okay. we'll still be able to make revenue. So we'll make revenue on transactions just because for example um if i can explain uh so for example um uh, before this new banks uh, i'm assuming do you both have monzo yeah. yeah okay so before monzo let's say you are with you know quote unquote a traditional bank like hsbc so if you send money from you know your hsbc to hamish's hsbc it still costs nothing right like it doesn't yeah. cost to us yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. to us yeah exactly to you too it doesn't cost anything so the market right now is if you send money from your HSBC um, uh, to Hamish's HSBC, then that would cost you roughly four percent of the sum that you're sending. So if Monzo were to come in, if in a market like that, they wouldn't charge four percent. They'll charge like maybe zero point five percent or one if percent. They're really trying to undercut, right? But because yours was already free, your HSBC to HSBC was already free. Monzo couldn't come in and make money from that. So we would come in at this market at this stage with that four percent. And our model would be, okay, we will make some, we will have a transaction fee, but it's going to be so much cheaper, like greater than a hundred. It's going to be so much cheaper that you you will just have to, you know, up to, you know, if you're preserving your capital, you will have to look for uh, an option such as us, us and, and users. So that's, that's, that's the current market in like a, in a metaphor. Yeah,
1: that's cool. I'm not going to lie. I've just been playing with this like animated credit card on your website for like the last 10 minutes, you like, <laughs> like <laughs> just move my cursor around. Nice. How, how'd you go about, um, you might've said it like how the market's like completely different there, but how'd you go about convincing people to use this and opposed to like the traditional banks? Cause like Monzo, well for me anyway, I heard of Monzo and I was like, yeah, I'd use it. Cause like, it just sounded like cool. And I'm like all for that. Yeah. But like my mum or something or yeah. even like, the rest of my family, they're not on Monzo or anything. It's kind of like this is a bit weird, like because it's kind of like trusting your money. Yes, and when you come to that, it's like you just go with what you know.
0: Yes, no, the traditional stuff. You're right. So Monzo, I don't know, I don't know Monzo's particular model, but I can, I can assume based off of how the industry looks like. So Monzo, I would say doesn't more or majority of these types of banks, they don't keep your money; they keep it at a you know quote unquote tier one. Uh, bank yeah, and, so, and yeah. there's the, 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 fintech interfaces of that bank essentially in a, a weird model like that. Right. So the bank has the license. So let's say you have a tier one bank, you have a tier one bank whose main objective is just, you know, to make, to make that dollar, um, you know, and you have a startup who's come in and their main objective is to one, please the customer and two um, make their money, um, work for them better, whether it's just seeing your transaction easier. Managing your spending, saving, sending money. Like you have you have a startup whose main objective is that. And but but they don't have a license, they're not a bank. So they partner with this Tier One bank. And the Tier One bank's main incentive is, oh, we get more deposits, um, and we get more um, and there's a potential distribution service for our, our, our products. So if this app goes and gets millions of downloads and it and the money's held with us, essentially we could have a new platform where we could distribute our services and we could have we could we could essentially have a, a a distribution service, as well as make some money from you know their success and their value. So, and then the startup gets a market a point of market entry. So they don't have to go through you know mad licensing from you know FCA and whoever else regulates banks, and they don't have to go through. Also, the, it also helps with the trust element that you're talking about because you now know your money is now with you know a tier one, which is mm-hmm. the whole standard of, of of safety. So you're not you're not thinking, all oh, my money is with Monzo. You're thinking my money is with um, X tier one bank, so that the, that element bridges the trust um, gap, and we, we we just decided to do the same thing. So we've partnered with a bank um and um yeah thankfully the first bank we pitched to (laughs) they're like great we like it (laughs) like i said the market is completely different um technology like monzo would literally in a sense like completely like dominate the entire market here like i i think so so the market is very different and so yeah we we got the first banking partner we pitched to and yeah so that bridges so it's a partner that people know people are like oh this is this is where our money is yeah. going and this is endorsed by this this uh this particular bank so it's it, so you in this in- instantly have a, a distribution of the bank's own clients as well as a trustworthy tag to um, slap onto your marketing and brand
1: yeah no that's sounds wicked to be honest um, considered
2: that you could get like uh, you may be open to the possibility and you don't have to say anything obviously um, that you could get acquired by like a monster or a starling later on because like you're basically starting off Kickstarting starting off a lot of things for them kind of in Kenya all right, and then they'll just help you
0: or Sterling. maybe they could, that, they could be
2: acquired by
0: me yeah they could be acquired by me I
2: would rate
1: that so
0: much <laughs> yeah so but just, yeah no, just remember you're <laughs> on
1: a third wheel yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> those financials they're not doing good though as you said so they better pick up if they're trying to burn my radar
2: <laughs> well I'm not saying that like definitively I'm just saying like yeah. based on what's come out like you could tell that they focus so much on trying to take us to this next level and a much easier, convenient level that we know that well. A lot of their money is coming from crowdfunding. They still make money, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but yeah, we we know that the overhead. There must be something wrong with the overhead for them to be.
0: No, you're, no, you're right. You're right uh, again. Like I, I, probably don't understand the business model yeah, that yeah. much. There, but I think a comparable would be a company like um. We're probably more comparable to a company like Transferwise. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so transfer wise came into the remittance space and there was mad inefficiency in the remittance space. So people were being charged extortionate amounts by, um, you know, traditional legacy remittance providers. Can I say their names to any of you? Um, <laughs> so like a Western union, yeah, I so like a Western yeah, I union or, you know, like oh,
1: yeah, um,
0: or, you know, uh, the, the like that have agent based models. So like you take your money and then you go to an agent, you give them the money, you sign some paperwork. And then a different agent on the other side of the world where you're sending that has, you know, the credentials for your money. And the person you're sending to then goes up to that agent and gets your money based on those credentials. So TransferWise came in was like uh, rubbish. Let's have an app for that. Cut the cost like way, way down, like way down, like, you know, greater than a 100%. Just cut it way down. I think um, this traditional... um this traditional legacy remittance companies would do it for like maybe 10 to 20% of the cost, especially, I know this because sending to Africa, you know, I was, I was sending, I was receiving from uh, my parents and vice versa when I was in the UK. So I know that the cost is super high. So transfers came into um, corridors like this and were like, Download our app and you can send money there for a fraction of the cost. Less like I, I can't even describe how much cheaper it is, how much faster and how much trackable it is. So we're more comparable to like a transferwise. And whose business model is just it's easy, it's a peasy, you get it. I don't know, Monzo's like subscription, like you don't subscribe to Transferwise you just Enter, you sign in, you send your money they receive, you're happy. And, you know, I mean they have had to overcome barriers like, you know, trust and security and whatever, but yeah, now they're pretty big and yeah, it seems to
1: be one. Yeah, no, it's cool. So yeah, the time of recording, you haven't like launched fully, yeah. but I think by the time it's come out, you said you might have like a few people using it or like we'll roll out to like some customers. So yeah, sounds good. Good luck with, with, with all that. Appreciate it. Another question you posed to us, like in when we were like playing the episodes, like around like the startup space was like why you believe social enterprises focused on developing markets should be held to the same stand- standards as those in San Francisco. Yes. So is that like what? What's your? What do you mean by that?
0: I mean, in developing markets, when people are building things or when people are investing in things, you're not you're not expecting to invest in or build the next Google or Apple. You're not. You're expecting to find those things, you know, from you know San Fran or like you know some other tech ecosystem like that, wherever wherever they they lie. In, you know, develop. Uh, countries so when kind of a mentality so when people are building you know even technology you know on this side of the world they're thinking okay let's let's build something great but not world-class let's not build something that's gonna be better than you know the standard like google or apple or like um if we're building a let's say anything to be honest let's say we're building a um a school um if we're building a school you know somewhere or a house or you know, just anything, we're building it somewhere, you know, in a developing country, be it, you know, some you know, some, some corner of Colombia or some corner of, you know, a rural part of Southeast Asia or wh- wherever, Africa, you know, the, the mentality is let's build something that's good for them. Let's not build mm-hmm. something that's great or the best wherever we go in the world. Let's build something that's good for this community. So I think I'm I'm, I'm very conscious of that mentality. And, you know, as even as we're building my startup, I'm thinking I would want yes. to build something that is comparable to, you know, the best of the best, if not better, actually we're aiming for much better, but comparable at the very least comparable. And, you know, same thing when I'm, and I'm thinking of how can I, you know, still thinking about how can I solve the housing problem? I'm thinking I, the houses we built were fine, but again, they were just good enough for the communities we were building. And I, I, I personally, you know, wanting the highest quality house wouldn't live in them, but they were great for the community we're living in. And, you know, a lot of, it, it's charity, like you're not building world-class things. So I'm thinking, how can we um, change that mentality, you know, from, you know, just the young people of this uh, in these countries and even the people investing in these places and even the leaders, it's, you know, we're doing things that are good for us, but not things that are, you know, extraordinary and just incredible, like wherever you are in the world. So that's that's something I'm passionate about and I'm conscious of. And I also have to find myself fighting it uh, fighting the ice to just do mm. something mediocre but it will be praised as incredible <laughs> but I, I fight it uh, as well so it's just something I'm conscious of and I, I just I think it's important to um, talk about
1: yeah I think I think it's tough like especially as you said like even if you're doing like a good job people would be like like I'm sure when you was building those houses and stuff that people like oh no this is incredible this is incredible yes, yes even though which probably makes you think like okay cool my job's like kind of done yeah. basically yeah yeah, Whereas right. there's still like a lot more you could have done. Yeah, I I don't really know how to, how you can shift that mentality.
0: No, you're right. It is tough. I think the only way to do it is just to build great stuff. Yeah. Just build.
1: I th- yeah. I, I think I'm I like, I've, I've been like to and fro that kind of mentality, I guess. Like at certain points I've always been like, okay, I want to build this to like the best I can. Mm-hmm. And then there have been some projects I've worked on where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a bit bored of this now. This, this will do. Yeah. So I guess it is kind of, maybe depends on like how passionate you are about it. And yeah,
0: there are definitely more barriers, you know, depending on the route you should be. Yeah.
1: And then there is also from like the point when you were like building houses, when you're like doing something, I think this could affect like a lot of people if you're doing it and getting paid to do it, Mm -hmm. or you're doing it like for free and for charity or off off your own like goodwill. Yeah. Like how much you are willing to put
2: into it. What do you think, Amish? I don't know. I'm I'm like yeah, shocked at how much good he's trying to do for the world, and then there's like me singing my fucking trying right now. <laughs> like, I'm still like digesting. So I'm like, like, i was like, raw. Like, we need to sort ourselves out. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> I, th-
1: I think that point. There's also a point with our like podcast a bit where I felt like before we started the podcast, I was definitely like, okay, you know, if a po- if an episode isn't 100 percent perfect, like the audio quality isn't like the quality of like a high-end podcast producer, then I wouldn't want to release it. But as time has gone on, I've been like, yeah. you know what, it's just <laughs> like, the quality is good enough. Like it's, it's okay. Like, and especially when you spend like so much time, like editing an episode and then you might, you might be able to like go through it again and edit yeah. it and make it even better. But it's kind of yeah. like, okay, but do I need to do that? Is it like, it's like a time versus value mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Like yes. is the time you put into it worth the value? Yeah. that you get from it which i think is quite hard to like weigh up sometimes yeah
2: it is the only reason i think it's quite easy for us is because we don't we're not actually monetized so like we don't actually. yeah care.
1: yeah <laughs>
0: that's true i mean that's it's a good comparable in terms of like the time and value element and i think that again it, it's also a personal thing you know a lot not to say that people can't come to places in need even in you know even in the uk there are places in need then and people come in you know you often find social housing you know ends up being very, you know, just not as great as you know, uh, as you know, as someone if someone were to rent their own house, and you know, you st- the mentality around social housing is that you know, are, are they people are, are they lesser somehow? Like, do they deserve lesser quality housing? Because I, you, I mean, we know there's a budget for it, and we know that there are other other countries, um, you know, still within Europe that have managed a better job with social housing. And so what, what it's a mentality, like it's, it's pervasive across, uh, I would say a lot of places in the world. And, um, there are, there are, and it's not to say like, don't do, if you can't do the best, don't do anything, you know, do something, but I guess make, make it a point to keep leveling up what you're doing with the aim aim of doing, you know, something that's really, really good. Cause I, I feel like the aim is that you know, a lot of people, the aim is at the, is at the floor, like they still, they aim for the floor, they get the floor, they're happy, the floor is praised, but you know, there's the entire, there's so much more you could do. There's so much more that, you know, can be done. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm also, st- I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm still learning about this and I'm still figuring this out, but I, I genuinely think that, you know, similar to, you know, how we found, um, when we were starting our build, how we found, you know, just trees and lumbers and all that, I think we have everything we need to, you know, reach the ceiling and reach every single, you know, high standard that we set. it's just, do we want to, how do we want other people to as well? And why don't we want to? So, um, I guess that's in, in part my philosophy degree <laughs> tormenting me, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I've, I've been thinking about that.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I think that's something we are good at as well. Like it's not when I say like we're okay to release an episode when it is good enough. We are, we have like a ton of ideas to improve like the podcast over time and while also like reducing the time, where you put into it but also improving the quality and stuff like that
2: yeah it's just like slow tweaks over time right and yeah, i think yeah. you can s- you slowly see the difference because obviously yeah. we can't just do a drastic change like we can't just turn into a 30-minute podcast all of a sudden do you know what i mean yeah because that's just not what we've ever been.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean I, was, I was pretty impressed when I saw um your your website and you know even just your process. I, I'm pretty sure like when you started, was it like, like was it that clean? Was it just, like no, no, I'm, pre- no, I'm no, pretty I'm no. pretty sure it wasn't. Like, work <laughs> this work over time. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, you've done you've done much, and uh, even just that, like that is that that in itself. Even the tools you're using, like you know, I'm sure you've improved mm. them over time. You know, the mm. processes, I'm sure. And uh, Aaron, you contacted me like what a month ago. I'm pretty sure, yeah. like maybe your first ten, it was like, "Hey, you trying to do this next week or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. or right I, now?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, things like yeah. that. So yeah. you're, you're definitely living up. Like now, you have a process, so it's it's definitely something that I think a lot of people like that mentality needs to be widely adopted. I think you know the world could be radically different.
1: Yeah, but I think the comparison uh, to San Francisco, like as probably everyone listening knows, I have spent some time in San Francisco. Um, and there, there are loads, there's, trust me, there's, there's a ton of startups there that have the same kind of, not everyone there is kind of striving for like perfection and the best, like there are a lot of startups there and companies that are more than fine with just being like, yeah, this is okay. This is good enough. So I think, I think it might like generally depend on kind of who's in charge of these companies and like the standards they set for like their employee. Yeah. The culture, the culture of the company. Yeah. hundred percent.
0: I mean, I, I would, t- I would
1: tend to think that,
0: you know, there's, there's a trend of, you know, who does really, really well based off of that, that one thing, like how good do we want to be like maybe, uh, that famous, that famous intro of the iPhone by Steve jobs. And, you know, he said many times we will built the best phone in the world. What's like magic. Like, you know, we saw everyone else and we're like, well, we want to be better. So, I mean, just, you know, visionaries that see, you know, um, that push, you know, push to frontiers of. Of everything that they do. So I mean it, it is rare and you know, I probably even just that mindset isn't appreciated enough. But I think, you know, it's 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 probably one of the key ingredients of, you know, anything that's successful, really, really successful.
1: And then but then also having said what I just said, like being in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, like when you're around those kind of companies that do have that culture that can rub off on like all the other companies around it, especially in such a like a small area with so many different like startups and all. Yeah
0: yeah i
2: think mm. a bit is resilience as well so as you said like to maintain that mentality you still have to be resilient to a lot of things being said or a lot of things happening and that's not always easy but then to a certain level of resilience is also bad because that means you may not for example you may not take in any input mm. like yeah that's true so i think the way you've been saying it is like actually like it's really really good for people i guess to understand like It's been worded really well, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, you've articulated really well. (laughs) Thank you. Bro, you sent me into a thinking thinking spiral. I'm like, shit, man, I I need to sort my problem. I see you scratching your head. You scratching your head. (laughs) Don't
0: worry, we're all figuring that out. Like I said, I'm still figuring it out. Like I am still figuring it
1: out. Yeah, it's very much a learning process, I guess, all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else, either if you want to touch on, like, on the startup social enterprise space, or should we move on?
2: Um, we actually had a previous guest, and I think that spoke a bit about social enterprise as well. So, Shami Shaw. So, um, I think she's originally from Kenya as well. So, yeah, check out the episode as well. She does speak a bit about it. Yeah, that's that's an, a cheeky plug for our own episode.
0: or Message me the the link of that. i would be happy to have a look.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, m- moving on, uh, topic a bit, uh, onto like Black Lives Matter. We have uh, covered it in a previous episode, or I think we've touched on in. A few episodes now but something that i I actually want to ask that like how is it like from kenya the view like watching all this stuff like recently with like what happened with like george floyd the protests in america and like even the protests in uk what's Mm -hmm. kind of been
0: so i think from this end we were very i guess shocked like the rest of the world but also realizing that you know black americans aren't aren't shocked about this themselves and so we we were very shocked Like, it's, i think I think it's the first time probably in this generation it has gotten as much media attention as as it has especially you know advent social media and you know just how that's c- catapulted everything literally from um like just on your phone every time you wake up you will see it every time you um every time you switch anything on you will see it and I think that that has shocked a lot of people here and just i mean we are really far but i think and it's also hard hard to a lot of people here like i'm deeply deeply hurt by it and i mean it's hurt a lot of people here and i I guess it's a different i i I can't i can't put it on a a hierarchy but i would say it's a different type of like hurt and anguish when you're seeing when you're seeing people being persecuted essentially for the color of their skin and you share that same same color like i mean we have our problems here like Doing quarantine, you know, we had a, a rising case in you know police brutality because they're trying to enforce lockdown and other measures. That's that's hurtful. That's hurtful. We have you know economic downturns that have been hurtful, but there is just something about um, racism in depicted in such a way that is just a whole different level of uh, of, of anguish. And I think that. And I think a lot of people around the world felt that, not just um, not just here in, in, in Kenya. And obviously, I don't speak for everyone, but I I do think a lot of people began to feel that way. And I think the solution um, the solution is literally now just the bare minimum, which is you know defunding the police and making a structural change within our country. I mean, it's it's the biggest change as. You know, it's, it's almost altering the entire constitution. Like they're trying, what they're trying to do is just say that this was set up wrong from the beginning. We now want to change, you know, what one of the pillars of, you know, this, this nation and we want, we want it removed and we want to change. And I I, like that, that is the bare minimum in my honest opinion. Like it is the bare minimum that is needed to uh, move forward with, you know, for society to move forward and normalcy to return. So I think the demands from the, like the protests, the demands, everything, the bare minimum is happening. Like if you, if you look at the level of anguish and this is just the bare minimum needed for people to feel safe and feel relaxed, black people in America and even globally to feel relaxed and safe, this is the bare minimum that needs to happen. And yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on that. And I, yeah, I, I, I support it. I support the solution. And I think once more, it is the bare minimum that needs to happen.
1: What kind of other measures do you think can be taken? So what defund the police
0: does is that it stops like young black men and, and women or, you know, just anyone with the, you know, um, whose skin absorbs the sun differently um, from being killed. <laughs> it, like, that, that's, that, that's what it does. It stops them from being like, you know, indiscriminately just killed for, for nothing, basically. So that's, that's like the bare nim- minimum. Now let's, uh, when that's sorted, let, let's move on to like, you know, the structure of society and inequality and, you know, entrenched racism. Let's now move on to that, which is, you know, housing, which is, you know, healthcare, which is job opportunities, which is education, which is, you know, even the high mortality rates of black women in in labor versus, you know, um, white counterparts or other other races, which is, you know, the dis- 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 disproportionate everything. Like I've seen a on disproportionate everything. I've seen disproportionate, you know, um, black men in prison, disproportionate, you know, discrimination of even students. Like I've even seen a stat like where black kids are more likely to get detention than like just disproportionate every single thing. I think then when, you know, people are like, okay, now we can, you know, we can walk and take jogs, like, and move around safely, which is the bare minimum. Then they can move on to let's now work on this disproportionate X, which is literally everything. And that's now, that's now where we're now making steps as, you know, a quote-unquote progressive society towards uh, equality and um, all the good stuff we've been seeing on, you know, Insta and Twitter.
2: To also, one thing to kind of add on is that apart from, I guess, teaching as well, you can see, like, in court cases, like, a lot of rulings are a lot different for white people in comparison to usually um, black people. So, like, not only should the teaching being affect everyone, because in America, it's a good example. You can probably find some statistics somewhere where A lot of the families that come from law, they always end up into the same position and the same judges. Mm. And like their family is basically always embedded in it. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to break into it. So not only do they need to be taught, but there needs to be a more opening for more openness of like, I guess, different races to come into. Obviously, they have to choose to go into it as well. And obviously, they have to be educated, given these options. But there's like so many factors as well. Because, say, for it, as you said, defund the police and we are trying to solve all these structural problems, the law itself. Is kind of always judged by the same people, the, the who I don't think I've learned. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that is also one of the things that need to be kind of tried to be rectified. Yeah. I don't know how you'd rectify it yeah. without. It's one of those things, actually. Yeah,
0: yeah you're, you're right. I, I also don't know, but you're right. That is like yeah. there's a lot, essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I um defund defund the police just means like the resources they have or the money they have, the budget is shared among other like services that can help people's safety
2: right I, th- I think it's also like a bit more community based um if that makes sense like i don't know if a sheriff station counts as the same thing i need to look into the american version like what the american stuff fully like how the, the sheriff station and so on are funded like because i think they're separate to state funded ones uh, but i don't know the specifics around this so i can't really say on it but i think at least my understanding when i was reading up on the deep on the police situation was it's mainly so that they have the less weapons and it's more community-based. So there's, it's more like a community-based, I guess, system on choosing that person should be arrested for that kind of like, it's like working together really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, obviously even within the black community and the defender police, there are probably different branches as to how it should go. And there's no particular way, but to me, it means, um, it means that communities have come to a place where they're like, the police is doing more harm than good to us. Yeah. And actually not having the police, would benefit us more than having them. So communities are saying, actually, we don't like, stop the, pol- like, ima- like the most extreme version would be, there's no more police. Like there is no more police at all, wherever. Even if that leads to, you know, uh, you know, a purge like, <laughs> you know, whatever, like anarchy, okay. Like it's bet- it's a better alternative than having police. That's what people are essentially saying. Like if, if there is no more, like don't put another cent in police people are people communities are saying we are happy with that because they are now a lot worse than anything you could do um with that money like don't put another cent to the police we are fine with that so i I in the most extreme version i think that's what it's saying and the problem i mean there are probably other milder versions like um you know even allowing police to be prosecuted by you know people who feel injustice or allowing or even you know I, i saw something about how you know police shouldn't even be allowed to point a gun to a black person or you know there should be a special procedure to you know, or, or rather not a special procedure. It should just be the, the way the stand. Other ways like even body cams, other like there's so many other versions of it. But in essence, to me, it means you know communities are better off than they with without police than they are with police. And if if I think if a lot of those people protesting had the choice, then you know they would they would pick without. <laughs>
2: Yeah, a lot of these issues also like interlink because, as you said, like the police being properly prosecuted and getting not well, not being properly prosecuted is one of the big things. So, like in the murder of, I guess, Breonna Taylor, like recently, we found out that the family had settled. So basically, that means that whilst the the police may have been fired for it they're not actually getting prosecuted. Obviously the settlement, we don't know anything really, I guess, directly about it at this moment in time. We know, those police well,
0: going to write, you know, great exactly, and you know, have
2: a great, you know, or, or another job right um, away. They, they only like technically fired from that exactly. one, you know, like, so they're not like,
0: exactly, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> ugh, mate, don't even get me started. <laughs> with <without America. laughs> Don't get me started in America. It's a, it's a dystopian society. It is genuinely a dystopian society at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I guess, uh, We've, we've run out of time. This, this, we could have, I guess as you said, like, don't get you started. We could have talked about this for like another hour or so, but, um, yeah, unfortunately we're out of time,
2: so we should round it up. Yeah. I guess I'll start with the final questions then. So the first one is who would your dream podcast guest be, whether that's your own or.
0: Mm, right now, it, like if I were running a podcast and I were to speak to someone on that podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would say it would have to be. There's this, there's this Nigerian um, fintech entrepreneur called Inoluwa Aboyaji. It's, I, I, it took me a while to learn that name. Don't, don't even, <laughs> you can't Google it. You, I like, it's, it, it, I practiced, I practice. <laughs> <There's> Niger- <laughs> <laughs> but um, short form people call him E. Um, or he's rather known within the industry just E. So he's done a lot in the, in the space, um, in the fintech and the, you know, um, tech startup space. So I, I would. I would absolutely love to have a conversation with him. Um, yeah, that would be my dream podcast guest right now at this particular yeah. moment in time. Probably different tomorrow and yesterday, but not right now. <laughs> Maybe because I think he can help me out but <laughs> or yeah, give me some industry yeah, secrets. But yeah, I would say.
1: And he gave you a chance to flex your pronunciation of his name as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I practiced it. Yes. <laughs> um, second question is one thing you wish you could change in the world?
0: Ooh, free housing for everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure yeah, have, have a We're not have too it, simple. Have a great,
0: uh, yeah, a great, you know, medium-sized mansion. You know, carbon footprint, um, renewable energy. <laughs> yeah, just a, a nice, a nice free house for everyone. and Then we can all focus on other issues, you know, in our lives. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's sweet. the third and final question is: What is your most memorable third-willing experience? I mean, my my brother has a girlfriend, and I often third-will them, but like,
0: I don't know if it's memorable. It's not yeah it's it's yeah, not it's it's,
2: it's it's not memorable um you just remove it from your memory right don't need to think it, about
0: it not not even registered in the first place it's just <laughs>
2: just, <laughs> just, just existing at that point
0: <laughs> but yeah so that's, it's not, that's not been a, a memorable thing
1: no, that's cool okay yeah so this bit anyone that you can think of that you'd like to see come on the podcast on the third wheel
0: on the third wheel hmm. so someone that could potentially actually
1: be a guest
2: yeah yeah, yeah. So
0: one or one or many. One or many. Okay. Who do I like to learn more about?
1: And then we'll like tag them when we release your episode.
0: Okay, I I would like to see um one a person at work called Anj Gakwaya. She was yeah I met her at work. Um I think she has she'd have an interesting story. Um I'd like to see. Um I don't know if you guys know this um, guy called Arman who graduated my my year as well. I don't know why it's super popular, but yeah, it's called Aman.
1: <laughs> if, if he's a if he's yeah, a bit of I mean, maybe. Yes, uh, yes, we were yes. a bit too we may be a bit too old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have the legend. Check check your history books. Um so I'd like to see Arman Alman on the on the podcast. And maybe Namir, yeah, Namir is also a recent PB graduate with me. And yeah, I'd like to see him the podcast as well. So Anj Aman Namir. I'll text you the Absolutely. full name, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah <that's> <laughs> true. True.
2: <laughs> And the final section is a shout-out. So basically, you can just promote anything you want. So in this case, probably your companies or so on, or any other charity or anything you'd like. So yeah, just give it a shout, out and we'll link it in the description. i would obviously shout out Finger.
0: I mean, I I don't know what what there is to shout out right now, considering we haven't launched the product. But yeah, um, get on the wait list. There's a wait list. So link link Finger. Get on the wait list and um wait until uh yeah wait until we we acquire Starling and all <laughs> the rest,
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah and I guess my shout out's going to be I was going to shout out two songs so one is 5 a.m. by M. Honcho and Nay Smalls and I don't think that album will be out by this point so if it is listen to it if not then yeah just listen to it. I put it in my shout out playlist and another song is going to be by DJ Hardwork and Akon tell me we're okay it's actually about like helping people in Africa and with the lighting situation and housing situation so mm. yeah that's my shout are Aaron you
1: Cool. I'm going to shout out, Hamish mentioned it a bit earlier, but Shami, uh, she was a previous guest of ours. So I'm going to shout out her, her like kind of like company or startup she started called Travel for Purpose. I want to get this correct. So I'm going to have to like read it. <laughs> uh, she, She's got an Instagram and a website, but um, she creates impact adventures in Kenya aligned to your purpose. Yeah. Go that check it out cool. and <laughs> check out her episode as well. Cause her episode as well. Cause it's like all in like the social enterprise kind of theme as well so yeah if you haven't list that go check that out and all the stuff so yeah link for that will be in the description okay uh awesome yeah cheers yeah, for coming yeah thank on. you for thank it's you nice to me. meet you yeah. as well. pleasure pleasure thank you for having me on really f- great fun too. no no it's been a good really good talk. yeah yeah well yeah we'll keep in touch and hopefully we'll see fingo very very soon i hope so even uh so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, send me
0: send me the, the link to the to the podcast of um that you just mentioned and yeah let me know what else uh, I, I'm to send you some names. Yeah, just remind me if I don't and yeah, thank you so much for um yeah having okay. me on and yeah good luck with every other guest and if you can get Inolua, yeah. I would be I would be great. Actually maybe just swap one of those names, the Inner and then get yeah. <laughs> So
1: <laughs>
2: We just add it. We will add we will add it on as well.
0: Yeah, it'll be fantastic okay. for me.
2: <laughs> thank you. So yeah, have a good day everyone. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye.